folks, do you feel like everything these days is go, go, go? It's nonstop from work to friends to family and a million pressing issues. Sometimes you just need to take a playoff and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. Hey, it's that time of year in Minnesota again to get out on the lake, go to the cabin, sit back, watch some baseball. Coors Light is the perfect refreshment to chill during these summer months. There's only one beer out there that's made to chill. The mountains on the bottles and cans turn blue when your beer is cold, and that way you know it's time to chill. Hit that reset button with some mountain cold refreshment. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Coors Light is the one you should choose when you need to unwind. When you want to hit the reset button, reach for the beer that is made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. covers the Vikings, and um, you wrote your big off-season preview that we want to go through, but just as we started recording this, the Philadelphia Eagles announced that they have fired Doug Peterson, and Will, I think, I mean, it's got to strike you that Doug Peterson beat Mike Zimmer in the NFC Championship, won the Super Bowl on the Vikings turf, and also missed the playoffs this year, and Peterson is gone, and Mike Zimmer still has his job today. Just sort of a interesting juxtaposition, I would say. Definitely interesting juxtaposition. I don't know if, if Mike Zimmer is the kind of guy to get a smile out of something like that, a little pettiness there, but probably not. But, yeah, it, it's weird because Doug Peterson, you win a Super Bowl in your second year as the coach of a team. Carson Wentz had a, a near MVP season before getting hurt that year, and then couple years later and it's just all falling apart and I've been seeing Eagles fans on Twitter who who like that he was fired who are mad that the GM Howie Roseman wasn't fired it seems like kind of a a messy situation there and if I'm not wrong there in in salary cap hell going into 2021 I think that suddenly becomes the least desirable of all the head coach openings out there because there's a lot of like Houston you got Deshaun Watson and Jacksonville you've got Trevor Lawrence and you can go on and on, and there's at least something appealing about most of it. I don't know what's really appealing about this this Eagles job. I mean, they haven't been drafting well recently. <laughs> they they passed on both DK Metcalf and Justin Jefferson. Uh, they don't have a lot of cap space. Who who's playing quarterback? I mean, Wentz seemed kind of broken this year, like fundamentally. So, and Jalen Hurts, I don't know if he's he's a franchise QB type of guy, even though he had some nice moments. So. Yeah, a weird juxtaposition that, that Peterson's gone and Zimmer is still kicking. Zimmer has just – I think if you go back to 2014 when he was hired, he was one of like the what, like the sixth or seventh longest tenured coach now and just just manages to keep kicking by making the playoffs every other year. Just, just odd years. That's all you got to do. Right. As soon as the seat gets warm, he makes the playoffs, cools it off, only to warm it up the next year. But it is interesting, though, because the Philadelphia Eagles made the playoffs last year – and if I'm not mistaken, Wentz got hurt. That was when Josh McCown came in, and they still almost had a chance to win that game. Um, and so they were in the playoffs just a year ago. This year, like you said, their roster deteriorated. Does this sound familiar at all? Uh, and they – now, in their case, 
they have an issue, major issue with the quarterback. So that's quite different than the Vikings, where your quarterback was in the top 10 in most categories. Um, but it's still your side of the ball, though. Like Doug Peterson's a former quarterback and an offensive guy that came from the Andy Reid coaching tree. And, and it was that side of the ball that really killed them this year. And it's the same way for the Vikings in Minnesota, where it was the defensive side that killed them with a lot of roster turnover, players getting old, players leaving. It, it really tells you, I think, that if you don't have Tom Brady as your quarterback or Patrick Mahomes as your quarterback, you probably get one shot a decade to go to the Super Bowl. For almost every team has a shot outside of those kind of anomalies like Cleveland or Buffalo that had these long stretches or the Detroit Lions. But if you're a relatively competent franchise, you will get a shot where you draft well all of a sudden and everything goes your way and you stay healthy. And if you win the Super Bowl, you're a legend forever in your town. And if you don't, you're Mike Zimmer and you have your one season be a 13 and three kind of end with major disappointment. And I guess it's just the, the nature of the league because once you have your winning season, and I think this will ultimately happen to some teams that are winning this year, like Cleveland and Buffalo, where you have your winning season and then everyone wants to get paid because they played so great during your winning season. And then that gets you into salary cap hell and it's, and then the roster turns over. It's just like a never ending cycle. And the Vikings are in the, this is where you usually fire your coach realm and they didn't. And so I'm interested in, or at least not yet. And so I'm interested in, in your opinion on that, on Zimmer's future, because I wrote about it today of just the different options that they can have. And I think if you're going to keep him, you should just decide to go the Pete Carroll or Mike Tomlin route. And he's got the job for the foreseeable future. Like putting, putting a guy on the hot seat every other year just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Just move on or don't, if that makes sense. Yeah, so you, you kind of disagree with the notion that I think is a popular one, that if, if Zimmer makes the playoffs in 2021, then he's fine. If he doesn't, then the seat gets really hot. Yeah, I, I mean, I think I, I can I can understand that. It seems like they're kind of powering through, like you said. I mean, this is this would be a season where firing Zimmer wouldn't be that confusing. It would make sense in the natural cycle of how things work in the NFL. You miss the playoffs. You miss the playoffs two of the last three years with Kirk Cousins. The defense, which is Zimmer's unit, took a big step back this year. But you look at the the excuses that Zimmer himself made trying to kind of pitch to ownership, hey, maybe this is the best we could have done. And I think there is – you can talk about how you feel about that quote all day long, but I think there's some validity to that at least. He, he lost a lot of pieces on that defense. And so the Vikings are just are, are sticking with him. And it, it, it almost makes you think about – teams in the past that have overreacted. I know that the best example is, is Andy Reid in Philadelphia. I don't know if you want to call it an overreaction or whatever, but he moved on and Philadelphia, Philly moved on, and then he goes to the Chiefs and, and starts this, this what looks like it could be a budding dynasty with Mahomes. And you wonder if something like that could happen with, with a Doug Peterson, if he's going to latch on somewhere, the Jets or, or wherever, and have a really successful stint again. Sometimes it just doesn't work out. Uh, in a certain place, and, and you just need a fresh start. I don't think the Vikings are there just yet, but, yeah, I mean, I don't know how, how ownership is going to do it, what, what's going to be exactly their plan with Zimmer, but I do think he needs to have a, a strong year in 2021 or, or the, the, the seat's going to be pretty pretty fiery. Yeah, so I think that that's the reality, and I think that that's right to say that that's very likely how ownership feels is, hey, you got to prove it again in 2021. My point is just 
if you're already having that conversation and putting someone on the hot seat, that's kind of where Doug Peterson entered this year. And so often we see this as coaches enter the year, like, well, he's on the hot seat or whatever. And most of the time they just end up gone anyway. And uh, the other route is committing to someone long-term and allowing them another season because, and we'll go over this with your off season preview. When you read your off season preview, there's a lot to do here. And there's a lot that would have to go right for them to be a legitimate Super Bowl contender in 2021. There's not a lot of cap space to do it with. And there's some drafts that have gone really wrong for them in recent years, unlike the 2015 draft that helped uh, boost them to where they got to in 2017. They haven't had that again. And it looks to me like it's more of a, uh, you could, you're back to the bottom of the mountain and you could get to the middle of the mountain next year and have a good season. Or, you know, if, I don't know, Justin Jefferson turns an ankle and is out for three games, then all of a sudden maybe you don't, right? Like, I think that unless there's some massive change, that that's probably where they're going to be next year is fighting for a playoff spot. And, uh, and of course, that's a long way out, and we'll see what happens. But if we're just being, like, the super realistic, the highest percentile chance of where things end up next year, it's like a 9-7 and seven type of season, and they look like an ascending team. Maybe that's enough to keep Zimmer's job. Maybe it's not. I don't know. I just think that if you're already having that conversation of, well, you better win next year, you're out. That's kind of how they made a bunch of mistakes this year is having that feeling of you better win. You, you, you better trade for Yannick Ngakwe. You better sign Michael Pierce. You better extend Kirk Cousins because you have to win. Like, I think having a long-term outlook for any franchise is always the best way to go rather than – and he and this even goes back to how they've drafted. We need this player. We need to draft a corner because we don't have one. So just take the yep. best guy who's there. We need to take a run-blocking center because Kubiak is on his way. Like, I don't know if that's the right way to think about it, and it's what's gotten them in trouble since 2017. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with that line of, of reasoning. And you, you talk about the draft classes, and I think there is some reason to believe, based on the early returns, and like 80% of this is just Jefferson being incredible, but some of it is Cam Dantzler and what we saw from Ezra and Jeff Gladney. Like, you can make the case, and I have, that the 2020 draft class looks like it's going to be pretty good. Mm-hmm. Maybe yeah. not 2015 good, which produced – Diggs, Kendricks, Hunter, and Waynes, because that's almost that's very hard to do. But there's a chance you get three or four good guys out of it. And if Jefferson is if continues to be what he looks like he's going to be, then that's something that you can you can build around. The question is, does Zimmer get that that leeway to kind of see that through? Because that's not going to reach their full potential in 2021, and when those guys are second year players, and Jefferson's 22, and Dantzler's 22, and Cleveland's what 23 or whatever like it's going to take a few years for for that group to really mature and and reach its peak and the the 2019 class is looking a little questionable with with Bradbury and with a backup running back being taken in the third round that they refuse to ever use so (laughs) we'll see what happens but I agree that if you go into it just year by year and you say hey Mike you got to win this year to keep your job then yeah maybe he's like okay I need to do things that are only viewed about it through the lens of winning in 2021. Maybe that's if we start four and two, I'm making a trade for uh, a linebacker or whoever and, and things that might not be in the best interest of the team over a five year view. So I can definitely understand your argument with that. And maybe if you're going to go with Zimmer, give him two or three years to, to see what happens. And then maybe if there's a catastrophically horrible season next year, then you reevaluate that plan. But yeah, I, I think that's a good way to look at it. 
and a major part of it is that Spielman and Zimmer are tied at the hip, and we've never been given yep. any indication that there that that's not the case. I mean, as soon as one signs an extension, the other signs an extension too, and the assumption is that they're for the same amount of time. So when you have those two in lockstep under pressure, uh, it's not even like the GM can take the long view and then say to the coach, hey, well, you just coach the team and I'll take the long view because that's my job. It's been both of them responsible, and I think Zimmer saying the miscalculated thing um, kind of points to everyone's responsible for what happened this year. And um, if they're going to be under pressure for next year, you wonder, well, what kind of risky moves or, or win now moves will they make that might not work out again? Just like when they traded for Ngakwe. I think it's funny because when they traded for Ngakwe, I thought, oh, okay, well, you'll sign him to a contract extension and then you're set at defensive end for a long time. And, and that did not happen. So it ended up being a very much win now move in a season where they should not have been thinking win now. And Zimmer ultimately acknowledged that. So let's get to um, your look at the off season, which is uh, very long and very in depth. And I appreciate all the effort that you uh, put into this year, your 10 things um, the you know, the 10 step plan to return to the playoffs for the Vikings. Now, part of it, I will say, um, is you're more or less saying stop running the ball so much. And we agree there. And we've talked about it a few times on the show. So I'm going to kind of move past that to a, a, a key point that you make about developing secondary playmakers on the offense, because I think that this is a big deal. It's not so much that you need a superstar number three receiver in a system that uses two tight ends a lot. It's that you need a number three receiver, somebody who can make a play. Or, again, if Justin Jefferson tweaks an ankle and has to miss three weeks, Chad Beebe and B.C. Johnson are not the ones stepping in to be the contingency plan there. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the main area where I think they need to add something and not be satisfied with, okay, we've got Jefferson, we've got Thielen. But for right now, yeah, you need that number three. I just – I don't think Chad Beebe or B.C. Johnson are at that level. They can be fine special teams guys and then maybe number four depth type receivers. But you need a guy who maybe they thought Tajay Sharp would be this, which did not work out at all. But you need a number three guy who can ideally be moved around, play on the outside, play on the inside a little bit. You're probably more going to be on the outside in in three receiver sets because you're going to have one of Jefferson or Thielen in the slot. Uh, and you just need that guy, A, for, for the three receiver sets, which I think, I don't know, I'd like to see them run a little bit more 11 personnel. We thought that was maybe going to happen this year. And I think I think it went up a little bit from 2019. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it wasn't a massive increase. But you also just have to be prepared because I know you've talked about this before. I mean, you, you look at all the defensive injuries this year and you say, oh, that was unfortunate. Well, and you And you assume that all of those guys are going to be back next year. Well, you can't assume that the offense is going to stay as healthy as it did. I mean, they didn't lose anybody really this year that I can think of other than uh, like the moving pieces at, at guard, uh, right guard specifically. Right. They improved uh, from the injuries at right guard. Yeah. <laughs> the injuries at right guard were the only excuse that they had to stop playing Pat Elfline and then Drew Samia, which was, I mean, they, they managed to get a little better with, with Cleveland in there, but yeah, you, you, Thielen missed some time in 2019. He was pretty much good all, all, all year this year. Dalvin Cook played, would have played 15 games if not for sitting in the, the meaningless Week 17 game. Justin Jefferson was healthy all year. Like, your tight ends were healthy with the exception of Rudolph late in the year. Like, you can't count on that, which is why you need that, that number three receiver. Because even if Thielen or Jefferson, like you mentioned, gets banged up and 
knock on wood, hopefully there's no major injuries there. But if they have to miss three games with, with an ankle or something, you need to stay afloat in that time. And you need to have options for Kirk Cousins to go to that aren't just one wide receiver and then just tight ends and running backs and really replacement level receivers. So I think you got to add a guy there. There's talk about some people are advocating that the Vikings should just add, take another receiver in the first round. I don't know. I don't know if you need to do that. I mean, I'm all for that idea in a, in a modern offense, grab, grabbing like a Devontae Smith or Jalen Waddle or whoever if they fall there. But just don't wait until the fifth round is what I said in the piece. Don't don't wait until the fifth round and take like KJ Osborne or Stacy Coley or Rodney Adams or someone be like, oh, this is this is the next Stephon Diggs. Like, <laughs> right. let's 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 use a, a third round pick on a receiver or something like that. Somebody who you because I think this is another, from what I've seen, it seems like another fairly deep receiver class this year. Not as great as last year's, but and and we'll talk about the draft stuff in the future. But I do kind of expect them to trade down from 14 and get more picks in that second, third round area. So I think you got to do that. And then with the guys that you already have, I mean, I think they got them. I think they probably are moving on from Kyle Rudolph this off season. And and it's Irv Smith and Tyler Conklin at tight end. And this is going to be another year where we talk about the Irv Smith breakout season. Uh, and, and we'll see if that happens, but it's some, I guess some of how, how much that happens might depend on the quality of the third receiver that they bring in. So it'll be interesting, but yeah, you need to have that depth. You can't just be like, okay, we've got the trio of Jefferson cook and feeling those guys will play 16 games a piece. We're good. 80% of our offense will go through them. Like that's just not how it always works. Want to remind you about our friends at Soda Stick. If you use the promo code Purple Insider, you can get free shipping at SodaStick.com to get your original Minnesota sports inspired goods. There's so many great designs, including Chuck Foreman's Spin Doctor shirts, Skull hats, Straight Cash Homie shirts, and much, much more. And if you are a hockey fan without getting going soon or a basketball fan, make sure you check out all sorts of great designs. Their apparel is screen printed here in Minnesota on Super Soft super comfy shirts and hoodies you will love it that's sodastick.com s-o-t-a-s-t-i-c-k.com original minnesota sports inspired goods code purple insider for free shipping right and i think about um how the justification for only having two was pretty much well i mean they've only got so much cap space to spend i get that sometimes you got to you know, reach to the bottom of the barrel on free agency with Tajay Sharp and Hope. But that model has not worked for them at all. Jordan Taylor, Kendall Wright, like this has not been an effective strategy for them. Um, but the other you know, point about that is you are allowed to tweak your scheme to use 11 personnel more. I mean, think about Sean McVay uses 11 personnel all the time uh, when they had those three great wide receivers with uh, Brandon Cooks and Robert Woods and, and Cooper Cup. They would use 11 personnel every play. And I think they had something like 80% was 11 personnel. So you can change things around even when you run this same system based on your personnel. And if you get another playmaker there, you just tweak things a little bit to have uh, that third wide receiver mar- more a part of things. And, and you know, you're also allowed to get a playmaker who you can just give them the ball and something good will happen. I mean, the Vikings have pretty much just Delvin Cook and Justin Jefferson to do that. There's no limit. Like, there's not a law that says, well, you got two guys who could just make plays with the ball in their hand, so you're set. You're good to go. Um, and to me, that's the way to be a winner is to get guys who can make plays uh, especially in space and, and I mean, get even more easy yards for Kirk Cousins. It felt like 
any success he had had to be throwing it down the field all the time as opposed to screens or, or handoffs on, you know, jet sweeps and things like that. Jefferson, I think, had one. Like that – and it shouldn't all be Jefferson either. Like, he shouldn't have to be the whole offense. There needs to be more people. Now, give me your take on the offensive coordinator's situation, because if Gary Kubiak does indeed decide to retire, this was number one on your list, is find the OC. Um, Zimmer clearly wants to keep the same system, but which direction do you think he goes? Do you think he goes with uh, an old guy who is, you know, established in this system for a long time from the outside? Do you think Clint Kubiak gets the job? I mean, what, which direction um, could you see them going? I can see them going in any direction, really. It's hard to tell right now after a year like they had, after all of the run of just new offensive coordinator, new offensive coordinator, new offensive coordinator. I mean, it's got to be frustrating for, for Zimmer, for Kirk Cousins, for for the whole offense, like it's just it's just been kind of a perfect storm where it hasn't worked out. And the only time they really like moved on from a guy that was their decision was D. Filippo. Like other than that, it's been Stefanski takes a job, and now Kubiak's retiring, and then you had Norv Turner resigning, and Pat Shermer taking a job. Like it's just it's been an unfortunate situation. So I, I think they'll want a guy who like, and they've probably said this every time they want a guy who's going to be there for another next three years. What's the best way to do that? I don't know. Maybe it's taking an established guy like Anthony Lynn, somebody that is familiar with the system that um, has done it. Or maybe it's somebody just promoting Clint Kubiak or, or Rick Dennison. Or I even threw out the idea of Andrew Janelko. I don't know if he's he's ready for that yet, but he was definitely an assistant who got a lot of praise this year. Um, so we'll see. And I think talking about the scheme a little bit, this was some, kind of summed up in my first few points of this, was – you can keep the same scheme, that's fine, but you got to tweak it a little bit. There's the, the maddening thing was just the second down runs, second and long, second and short. Um, they, they just did those at such a high level that was just detrimental to their offense and mm-hmm. things like that. And I, I think people hear, oh, that the Vikings are running this, this Gary Kubiak, Shanahan scheme where it's heavy on the run and things like that. And they're always just going to be – super run heavy, but the, the main principle of it is, is this wide zone stuff, the play action stuff. Like it can be modified to not be so run heavy. You can, you can run this scheme and not be 50, 50 run pass split. Like the, the Packers do it well. Uh, the, the 49ers, the Ram, like they're the Titans. There are other teams who, who do this at a very high level. The Titans, maybe not a great example because they run a lot with Derrick Henry, but you, you can modify the scheme and throw the ball a little bit more in certain circumstances and modernize it still keep the same ideas that Zimmer likes and keep the things that Kirk Cousins does well and and use Dalvin Cook I'm not saying to not use Dalvin Cook but there's there's certain circumstances and certain situations where they got to modernize it a little bit bringing in a third receiver would help with that and the offensive coordinator whoever they pick I think is going to have a major role in that so very fascinating to see how that how that search plays out. Yeah, I think that if you and I were doing the offensive coordinator search, which, again, we're not 100% will commence. It just is really leaning that way. Uh, we would be asking, okay, how are you going to use a third playmaker that we're going to get you? How are you going to you know, up that you know, the pass ratio so we can be a top five passing team? That's what you and I would be asking. But the guy who's going to be doing the interviews is not going to be asking that. And that's where it all comes back to, to me, is – I think that you're going to stay with this exact same 
run-pass ratio, to use Kirk the same way, to use Justice Jefferson the same way, as long as Mike Zimmer is the head coach. So it's you better maximize those things when you get your opportunities because that's the the way it's going to be. And, and that's the way it is in, in Tennessee too. And now they played from ahead more than the Vikings did this year. And they would be you – know, their defense was such an atrocity that they were trying to keep them off the field. Maybe there was some of that with the Vikings this year. But it came across much more as that they were afraid of Kirk Cousins' turnovers, especially in the second half of the season. And that's just – sometimes it, you know, he's going to turn the ball over. The only way to make up for it is to be good on offense, which I think there are certain games this year where – he gets them behind with some turnovers and then comes back to win by throwing the ball effectively through the rest of the game. It's like, learn from that. You can overcome the turnovers if you, uh, if you act like you're down two scores from the very start. Like, oh, we're down 14 nothing. We'll just pretend that we are and we'll play that way. Um, you're probably going to have a lot more luck. But I think that Zimmer is going to want to hear from whoever he interviews, did you say run first? Okay, let's continue <laughs> to talk. Um, you, you bring up the offensive line in your piece and I mean, I'm tired. Will I'm just tired. Um, I've covered a different left guard every year since I've been here, which started in 2016. Um, but you know, they're not in, it's amazing because they've invested a lot, but they're still not in a great position here. Brian O'Neill is a stud and Ezra Cleveland showed flashes uh, Garrett Bradbury, I think, is one year away from us saying he is what he is, as opposed to the will he take the next step type of thing. We don't know Riley Reef's future, and the left guard spot is wide open, and you don't have $15 million available in cap space to just say, hey, Brandon Schreff, come on over, bud, or uh, Joe Thune. I mean, there are other teams who are going to be able to do that. So how does it get fixed? And I'll, I'll ask the side question, and I think it's it's huge. I'm not making fun of it. But what, what, like, how much better does it have to be is my question because you've invested all this and you got good performances from your tackles and still ranked at the bottom of the league in, in pass blocking, which is really like hard to do. Usually the tackles are the ones that are most responsible for that. Yeah, I don't think with this offense it needs to be like the Cleveland Browns' current offensive line or something like that, which – Kevin Stefanski, I'm sure, is loving after, after, yes, getting, out of, yes. after getting out of Minnesota. I was watching probably that, so that game last night, and they, their offensive line is so good. Um, like the, the Steelers' front seven is fantastic, and they were just getting pushed every time. And I was like, wow, that is just that is so foreign looking to me. But yeah, it doesn't have to be like that. It just you have to get it to a baseline level of competence, particularly with the inside three, that Kirk Cousins is going to have time to do his job. And it's it's already a fine run blocking unit. I mean, obviously that's what they've prioritized by taking these like half tight end, half offensive linemen like Brian O'Neill and Ezra Cleveland. Um, these super athletic guys are great in run blocking. But you, when you prioritize that, particularly with a guy like Bradbury, we've seen this. You're just sacrificing in pass protection a little bit. And and I, I think Bradbury knows and Cleveland knows the number one thing that they've got to work on is just being able to anchor and getting that strength. And you can get stronger and do that without losing your ability to be a good run blocker. So if that can happen, and obviously they've got a, I don't know what they were doing, starting Dakota Dozier all year, that will will never make any sense to me. Like, give Brett Jones, just put Brett Jones there, somebody else. It was It was tough to watch. But, yeah, if they can get a baseline level of competence with those inside three and 
that that on the surface becomes easier if you keep Riley Reef in some fashion and you leave Cleveland at guard because I think he could be a fine guard. I, I do think there's there's an argument for moving him to left tackle and maybe saving some cap space by moving on from Reef. But if you do that, then you're looking for two new guards, and then that becomes tough. So we'll see how that plays out. I just hope they they put some, some they understand the importance of that, and they don't just say, okay, Garrett Bradbury will get better, and we'll figure it out at guard. We'll we'll throw whoever in there. We'll put try Kyle Hinton or Ole Udo or or whatever. Drew Samia, I please no, but. Um, We'll see what happens with that. I just think if they can get a baseline level of pass blocking ability in the middle so that the pocket isn't just getting driven back into Kirk Cousins like we saw on so many occasions this year, um, I think that's all you really need because the tackles are going to be fine, whether it's O'Neal and Reef or O'Neal and Cleveland. I think I think Cleveland could be solid as soon as next year at left tackle. Um, and hopefully Brian O'Neal kind of – takes another step forward. I thought he kind of stagnated this year a little bit from his 2019 play, which is still the Vikings' best offensive lineman, hands down. But there was hope that he would kind of become like a Mitchell Schwartz this year or a Lane Johnson or whatever, and that didn't really happen. So we'll see. that Every year we talk about it and can't escape it. But <laughs> until, he, until it gets fixed, it's going to be a topic of conversation. It's going to be an issue that, that is holding this team back. Or until you have a quarterback who just runs away from people who come flying yeah, exactly, up the middle, yeah. which uh, over the weekend we did see quite a bit of that. And I wouldn't blame any Vikings fan who watched over the weekend and said, Tom Brady and Drew Brees get the ball out in about one and a half seconds. And Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson just run away from people. Where are we? And I, I mean, I, and I think that's fair uh, in, in terms of like going forward. Yeah. If and you're Brady and Brees have good offensive lines. Right. So yeah. they, they can do that even if they don't get it out, get rid of it immediately. Yep, they have good offensive lines. They make them better. And speaking of Philadelphia, I'm sort of reminded about Jason Kelsey being uh, compared to Garrett Bradbury when Bradbury came out and the size of the guards that were playing next to him. If you remember, uh, Brooks was one of them, and I can't remember who the other guard was, but they had these massive guards who were freak athletes and were just terrific, and I thought that it helped Jason Kelsey quite a bit um, not that he isn't better than Garrett Bradbury, because he is. He's a fantastic player. But I think that um, that's a mistake that they've made is not uh, – if you're going to draft someone who's undersized, I think you have to put some beasts around him um, in order to allow him to be protected in some of those pass-blocking situations. And they have not done that. They've looked at the guard position as being the least valuable on the field because that's where they spend the least amount of money. And with your quarterback and your center – uh, that that probably is a, a miscalculation right there. Now, I want you to rank for me, Will, on the defensive side, needs um, – well, I guess that's it, needs. I rank, yeah. rank the positional needs from one to whatever the last position you want to do. If you want to include Nickelback as being a separate one, you can. Um, but just well, what do you think is sort of top to bottom on defense for where they need to spend? Yeah, I think number one for me – and and this will depend on um, – I think the list depends a little bit on the two key decisions that I outlined there, which is Anthony Barr versus Eric Wilson at linebacker and then what they do with Anthony Aarons. But I'm not going with either of those for number one regardless. I think number one for me has to be getting another edge rusher. And I just think that's so important in, in the NFL right now is to have guys who can 
consistently win their, their one-on-one matchups on the edge and apply pressure regularly and not be complete negatives in the run game like Indy Ngakwe was. Um, and so getting Daniel Hunter back, I, I think that'll be obviously be great. He's a superstar. He's a freak of nature. It was the fastest guy to ever reach 50 sacks or youngest or, or whatever it was. So that's awesome, assuming that, of course, that does happen without him holding out or demanding right, trade or whatever. Right. But that's a separate issue. But they they can't just be satisfied with that and say, like, oh, we'll figure it out at the other spot with, with DJ Wanham or, or whoever. And I didn't see a lot from DJ Wanham this year that suggests he's going to be a starting caliber guy next year or anything like that. You could bring back Afadio Denebo, but that's kind of uninspiring after his season. And then beyond that, they just got a bunch of, like, depth guys like Hercules Marafa and Jalen Holmes will be in the last year of his, his rookie contract, things like that. I think they need to add a guy there. Uh, that's the number one thing. And that's why I've seen almost every mock draft, if you look through the national mock drafts. I mean, I think – I can't remember the last time I saw one that wasn't a defensive end at 14, mm-hmm. with with the two main names being Rousseau from Miami and Quiddy Pay from Michigan. Yep. And even if they do that or even if they trade down, there's, 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 it's a good class of edge rushers you can get a guy late in the first or early in the second or whatever. And I think they probably got to look at doing that. Or if they're not going to do that, and if you want to go offensive line early on, then I think you've got to use whatever money you can scrounge up to dip into that, that second tier free agent market of edge rushers. Like I've seen names done around like Trey Hendrickson, who had a great year this year. Maybe he's mm-hmm. outpriced himself, outpriced himself out of that range or Olivier Vernon or, or just, not like the superstars, the, 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 even the stars who are going to be on the market, but a second-tier veteran guy who you know can can give you more than what they got this year opposite Hunter. And probably not going to bring Everson Griffin back after <laughs> what's been, he, what he's been tweeting, but hopefully he's doing okay um, mental health-wise in all seriousness. But um, I, that would be my number one, would be the edge rusher thing. Um, Number two, I, I might just go defensive tackle and just stay up front. I mean, I really think they need to figure something out there, too, because Pierce is great against the run. He's going to be huge in, in fixing what was one of the worst run defenses in the league and one of the worst the worst run defenses Vikings have had under Mike Zimmer by a lot. But you need a guy who can create some interior pressure. And I still think Armand Watts has some upside. I, I like what he shows in flashes, but it's just not there consistently. Mm-hmm. So you need to add somebody, even if just to compete with Watts and kind of rotate in, because you know how they, they, they like to have a good rotation on, on the defensive line. So I would say adding a, a, a three-tech with some pass rushing juice would be number two. Uh, I would probably go cornerback number three. Um, you, you've got Gladden, you've got Dantzler, and and those guys are, are, are locked in basically as starters next year. And I, I'm really excited about what Dantzler can do. And I'm hopeful that, that Gladney will um, will take a, a big leap forward after having an actual offseason. Uh, but you just can't rely on the jumble of other guys you have, I think, and say, okay, Mike Hughes will stay healthy and he'll be the third guy. He'll play inside or Gladney will play inside. Like you just can't rely on, on Hughes staying healthy or even when he's healthy uh, playing – at a very high level. He's been, he's just been inconsistent. You can't rely on uh, Chris Boyd or Harrison Hand or that. I think they should look to bring in somebody there 
And again, it's just whenever you talk about free agents, you, you have to be realistic about how much cap space they're going to have. But yep. Yep. if you could find a, a fairly cheap guy, maybe someone that um, Zimmer is familiar with or, or not, uh, just some guy, somebody who you know what you're going to get out of, uh, who can compete if he stays healthy and um, just have another body there. Because we saw they had to rotate through so many guys. I mean, Chris Jones ends up playing major snaps down the street. In week 17, they're playing like Dylan Maven, Cordray, and Tankersley. And that game didn't matter, but that's the idea. They were scooping guys up off the street all year. So you need more depth there. And then fourth would be would be safety. It, 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 that may change if Harris, if Harris leaves, because then that becomes a more obvious hole. Um, but when, as long as you've got Harrison Smith there, you kind of just need a guy who can – you don't need having an Anthony, having a 2018 2019 Anthony Harris was a luxury. You can you can survive with an Anderson Dayho or whoever's there. Yeah. Um, and then I think linebacker after that. I think they're fairly set, regardless of whether they choose Anthony Barr or Eric Wilson. And I do think they'll probably choose Barr in that debate just because of because Eric Wilson is tough to watch against the run and as a yes. ta- and as a tackler. Um, and they'll probably let somebody slightly overpay him in free agency. And you're good with Kendrick's bar, and then Troy Long Snapper, Troy Die, and uh, Todd Davis, or whoever else is there. So that would be how I would rank those five. Well, I, I agree with your rankings um, to a T. The thing about the defensive tackle position is I've tried to find in the draft or free agency someone who would make sense for them as a defensive tackle, and I can't. I mean, I, I honestly can't. I mean, the free agent group of three technique defensive tackles and you know this is a probably another show to go through all the free agents but it's not good um and so you're talking about your sort of pj hall level players that you're looking at for like who can come in and fill that spot and i think next year that your starting defensive line has michael pierce and shamar stefan playing in those two positions and mike zimmer is going to tell us how great it will be against the run and that's Probably just what you're looking at is almost no pressure again from the inside unless they surprise me and they find somebody who can do it. And once upon a time, they did. They found Tom Johnson in the CFL, and he turned out to be a really effective player for them. Uh, But, you know, Michael Pierce is a guy who's never played more than 600 snaps. And that concerns you, too, coming off a year where he didn't play. Um, so, you know, you need multiple players at that position because you have, like you said, Armand Watts, okay, but still, what did he get? 0.0 sacks this year for Armand Watts? Like, that's yeah. not promising. I think he had point .5. Oh, point .5, okay, 0.5. <laughs> like, that's not promising for a guy to, to, to become that Tom Johnson type of player. Um, maybe the answer is keeping Afadi Adenabo and having him rush on third downs over the guard because he was really effective with that when it came to uh, 2019. I think that that might be – something you do but early down pass rush on the inside it's not going to be there unless they you know are really savvy and find somebody who works uh i want to play a game before we wrap up um i want you to tell me who is the quarterback and i'm going to give you some teams and i want you to tell me who is the quarterback of these teams in the year 2021 okay let's start with the chicago bears who is the quarterback of the Chicago Bears in the year 2021? Oh, man. That's 
it's gonna be tough. I, I I don't even know what I'm gonna like base these answers off necessarily. <laughs> I guess it's just this is more. More fun get, than anything, yeah. But if you get one right, then we get to pull the audio uh, as soon as they make the signing and say, Will called it. He missed all the other ones, but he got this one. <laughs> okay, yeah. I mean, it, it, this all depends, I think. Uh, are, are Nagy and, and Pace going to be there? Who's going to be making this decision? Because if they're still there, I can see it being somebody kind of hilarious. Like, for for us outside observers, not for Bears fans, like, like Ryan Fitzpatrick or, like uh, – Somebody like Jameis Winston. I don't. Somebody like that. Um, I I don't know because they're they're not in a position where they're gonna draft a top guy. Maybe they draft like a Mac Jones or Kyle Trask. I'll I'll just go with Ryan Fitzpatrick. Why not? I love that, that, that pick. That that would be fun. I think that's a great pick. I mean, when you look around at who might be available, okay, so you know you could take a shot on Cam Newton if you wanted to. You could stick with Trubisky if you wanted to. But there's not as many quarterbacks who are available as were last year. And Fitzpatrick was legit with Miami. And he's actually been good since he's been there. And he finally plays with a halfway decent team. Yeah, with, with Allen Robinson and with that defense, I'd be – Fitzpatrick could win nine or ten games. I think Fitzpatrick has gotten better with age. Like, he's still Ryan Fitzpatrick, but uh, maybe he doesn't do quite as many ridiculous things to throw interceptions. And if you're throwing YOLO balls to Allen Robinson, that actually might work out really well for you. I like that pick. Uh, Okay, next one is the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. Who is playing quarterback next year for the Pittsburgh Steelers? Ooh, that's a good one. Because Ben looked... Kind of Super washed. washed. I was calling. Although the he did, he did end up, he did end up throwing for 500 yards but that was <laughs> yeah, and he, four picks. He threw, yeah. he threw 68 <laughs> passes. It was just had an absurd line: 500 yeah. yards, four touchdowns, four picks. This is what um, happens on Madden when you get behind early. Like you just, yeah, exactly. you just Throw 68 passes and try to come exactly. back and win. I yeah. It's probably it's, it, it, saying Ben would be boring, so I'm not going to do that. I it's not. Mason Rudolph, he he stinks. Yep. Um. Man, Can I, I'll go. I think I'll go Jameis on this one. Oh, I like it. I like it's it. Just that, I think that makes a ton of sense. Jameis in, in in Pittsburgh, I think, would be a lot of fun. I mean, with 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 Claypool and Johnson and Jude, like there's weapons there. If if he can figure out how to not throw thirty interceptions, <laughs> that that could be fun. So that is the challenge. That's that's what I'll go there because I, I I imagine the Saints are gonna either go with uh, if Breeze isn't back they go with Taysom or something I don't think they they'll go with Jameis so that yeah, that'll sure. be my answer there. I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community discord, and e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all listening platforms. The best part is you can get all of this for $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge for an initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that wants to grow, Hustle is an open-door level 
leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. Go to bwhustle.com slash join. Check out the description box to find out more. That's bwhustle.com slash join. Sean Payton said something like, well, Jameis is still in the mix for next year. And you're like, dude, if you didn't play him this year, then yeah. isn't he on a one-year contract? So there's no reason for yeah. him to, unless you guarantee him the starting job. But they love themselves and Taysom Hill. So it seems yeah. like he is the succession plan. I might go with Sam Darnold here, potentially. Okay. Um, there's also, you know, if you're looking for options for the next team or two that I ask you about, like Gardner Minshew is probably going to go somewhere. Dak Prescott might not be back in Dallas. I think he will, but he might not depending on how things go in the draft. So there's, you know, a couple other options that are up in the air. Uh, I wanted to bring up the Denver Broncos because I think that this is a great situation for whoever takes over as the quarterback of the Denver Broncos. You have weapons, you have a good left tackle. Garrett Bowles really took steps forward this year, a good defensive coach who probably doesn't know what he's doing as an overall head coach, but can definitely scheme you up a good defense from time to time. If I am a free agent quarterback, I am very interested in the Denver Broncos. Yeah, no, I think that makes a lot of sense. They, They do have good weapons. I think, Jerry Judy's going to end up being really good once he plays with someone that isn't Drew Locke. Yes. Um, so that's another interesting one. Um, I could see them doing, like, a, grabbing a free agent, like a, like a Gardner Minshew or something, and then maybe would, would they be a team to watch out for with, like, Trey Lance in the draft? Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, I think that would be a good fit. For, for Trey Lance, um, it, it, whether they have to trade up to get him or not, I mean they're not they're not getting one of the the top three quarterbacks almost right. certainly, and I don't know if they would want to do like a Mac Jones or, or whatever. But I, I I'll say my pick for the Broncos is they they trade up a little bit, draft Trey Lance, and then bring in like Gardner Minshew for a year. It, they could also be sort of the ultimate uh, – well, you know, I I don't like them for a transition quarterback, though. Like, they could really? be – Okay. You know, I mean, I, I like the Trey Lance idea. Um, I guess but, you could just keep Drew Locke as the transition quarterback right, and have him right. compete, but – Right. And But this year, to me, he showed that, yeah, that's not going to work because they gave him a lot to work with. Pat Schirmer's their offensive coordinator. He knows what he's doing. Yeah. And he's just going to throw a lot of interceptions. But I was thinking someone like Jacoby Brissett or, or – you know, okay. Andy, Andy Dalton, like the ultimate, yeah. you know, transition quarterback. Or you never do know when John Elway's team will do something kind of crazy. Uh, Cam yeah. Newton might be a fit there as well. But I, I like your pick. Cam Newton's pretty tall, so that that's right, and that's it. John Elway. Okay, so one more. I'll give you a, a major wild card here, and maybe you'll sort of laugh at me bringing them up. But there's just always so many rumors about this team. The San Francisco 49ers, is it Jimmy Garoppolo or is it someone else? As soon as you started saying that, I was thinking that that's who you were going to say. Um, either them or the Falcons would have, was, is who I was thinking. Yeah, yeah, definitely they're in the in the. Those list. are both actually, kind, of, they're kind know, of in a similar boat. I might, uh, I might change my pick to Matt Ryan plays quarterback for Denver. If I'm Denver, doesn't Matt Ryan make so much sense? Like he can yeah. still play. Uh, but they're in a position where they need to try to win, um, whereas the Falcons have a lot to rebuild. So I'm going to change my answer to, to Matt Ryan. But Okay, um, I like that. Yeah, There's so many pieces uh, in the QB discussion heading into 2021 that could just 
and you, you call it like the dominoes, right? Like one thing, one guy goes somewhere and then that affects who goes wherever else. So it'll be, be fascinating to see who, who gets traded and who's, which free agents go where and who, who gets drafted and things like that. And, um, the Niners are, are a fascinating one. I, I could see the Niners with Kyle Shanahan potentially being a landing spot for Matt Ryan if they want to. Um, I mean, obviously Shanahan has the familiarity from Atlanta. Like, if they want to keep the same kind of whole offense and the whole like mm-hmm. the same kind of guy at quarterback, just right. Matt Ryan being better than Jimmy Garoppolo significantly, um, that would be an interesting one. The hot take answer would have been Kirk Cousins. It would have been. Yeah, that exactly. Well, that's the same, like, Matt Ryan, Jimmy Garoppolo, like, that, that tree and that the systems are the same with, with Shanahan. But it's not going to be Kirk Cousins. No. It's, it's probably not going to be Matt Ryan either, but but I don't know. Um, is Deshaun, was, Watson, out there is Deshaun Watson getting traded somewhere? I, well, I don't know. This is... I say no. I say what they're going to try to do with Deshaun Watson is they're going to try to, like, hire a head coach that he's happy with now since they've made him really mad with the general manager situation. So they're going to be like, oh, we hired – I saw Jim Caldwell's name come up. Like, oh, we hired Jim Caldwell. That's an offensive guy. Am I right? You know, like, they might do something like that. Um, I don't know if that is beyond repair. I think for Deshaun, it should be. You should just be like, nah, man, I don't want to play for this ownership. I don't want to play with this salary cap situation with all the good players that you've either, um, you know, traded away or let go or are old or what. I mean, there's just, it's not a great situation for him and he should try to get out. And if you're San Francisco, Kyle Shanahan with Deshaun Watson would be Super Bowl. Terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. I think pretty they they instantly become the NFC favorite, right? Like yeah, definitely. Watson's Watson's that good. Um, assuming that doesn't happen, my answer, my answer might be Matt Ryan for that one. I don't think I've I like used it. him. I don't think I've used him yet. Maybe that's a Darnold spot too. Yeah, but yeah. Um, I'll go. I'll go. Kyle Shanahan finds a way to get get Matt Ryan, and the Falcons draft Zach Wilson or Trey Lance or whoever. That's what we can do is after uh, free agency happens and after the draft, we can play the game again and say who's going to play quarterback because yeah. we might still not know. Uh, or right yeah. before those, right before free agency, right before the draft, we can play the game again. Uh, people should go find your article. They can find it uh, on your Twitter, Vikings Offseason Preview, the 10-step plan for return to contention 2021. Your Twitter is at Will Raggetts. Uh, that is R-A-G-A-T-Z. If people are not already following yep. you, then they definitely should be so well it's always fun and the next time we talk i promise we will be skull searching okay we're gonna we're gonna get back to talking about the draft we're gonna get back to talking about whether quarterback makes sense and how justin fields played in the national championship and all those sorts of things um when uh when we talk again thanks a lot for your time man yeah thanks for having me